thinking. So today we're going to be talking about roadblocks, um, conflicts. Anybody ever have conflict in their marriage? Or is it only our family? That, oh, my wife's giving me that glare. <laughs> she did. Even though she gets embarrassed at some of the illustrations I use sometimes, she, she told me today, I really like you teaching that marriage class because it helps you. It helps you. <laughs> See, she's, she's giving me the glare again. I'm not, supposed to, I'm not supposed to repeat everything that we talk about. Just, just 90% and then 10% not. But um, conflicts, roadblocks happen um, in the marriage. You know, in some countries, particularly in um, Israel, the Middle East, um, there's a lot of times roadblocks, and it's not just a block, but you have like a military um, men that are guarding the blocks, and when people are passing through, they're checking the IDs, and it um, slows um, things down, um, but, but there are obstacles um, that it sometimes takes people, like someone traveling over there kind of feels a little unease. Um, that everyone's just out there, like, kind of carrying machine guns and um, wanting to protect um, their territory. And so sometimes some things could come across a little bit frightening. And um, the truth is, with conflicts or a disagreement, um, it's fairly common in a marriage, um, in any marriage, you know, at good Christian marriages, um, have conflicts um, here and there, but the difference between a strong marriage and a weak marriage is really how partners respond, how they handle um, the differences, um, the um, difficulties. Um, Edna, she moved into um, a small um, home on a ranch. Um, she got she got married and um, and moved into a ranch, and her mom. Um, gave her a little box and told her, um, whenever, um, whenever you get in a stressful situation in your marriage, you know, like, just take your sewing materials out and make like little coffee coasters. And, and just do that to ease your mind, to ease your stress. And so when she got married, um, every time she would have a conflict, you know, she would take some time just to make one and put it in her box. And she told her husband not to ever um, open the box, to leave it alone. Well, after 50 years, when she was um, old, much older and um, about to pass away, she was in the hospital, um, he saw that box again. He never, he never opened it, and he opened it, and he saw two... Um, coffee coasters out, made out of yarn, and $82,000. And he was like, wow, what is this? And so, she, um, so when he um, went and visited her at the hospital, he goes, okay, I got to confess, you know, I got into that box you told me not to get into. And then he goes, I just want to know, you know, what, what, what are these? What, 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 what's the contents? He goes, oh, well... My uh, mom told me whenever I get in a stressful situation in my marriage, just to take time to relax and make these coffee coasters. 
And he was pretty proud of himself. He goes, wow, out of all these years, only two, only two are made. And he goes, well, what about the money that was in it? She goes, oh, that was from selling them all after I made them. <laughs> so $82,000 worth of those. Those would be quite a bit. And so what makes a Christian marriage distinct um, is not that conflict never happens. You know, it's impossible for two people to live together and not have conflict. You know, when Paul said, you know, it during this present distress um, that he thought it would maybe be better if many of the people remained single. You know, there was much persecution. Um, you know, families were being torn apart by the government um, through persecution. And um, he said, if you're able to stay single, you know, I think it'd be better for you. But every man has this gift from the Lord. Um, if, if they feel compelled to get married, then they have not sinned. But he said, but such shall have trouble in the flesh. Now, you know, in the marriage, there's going to be times when there's conflict. You know, you work for an employer. You know what? Sometimes there's conflict just working with an employer. Um, whenever there's two relationships, disagreements um, happen. And what would help us is how we respond. And if we learn to respond to disagreements in a godly, thoughtful um, way, the process will help build your confidence in one another and in your trust for one another. But if we respond all the time, reactionary, dismissive, like, you know what, I just don't want to talk to you, or unkind, you know what, that unkindness is just going to continue to breed. And the conflict is just going to be ready to elevate at any time. And so talking about how um, conflict begins, I guess I should turn this on first. Okay. Um, think back to um, one of your first fights you had um, in your marriage. Oh, wow, you're one of those holy ones, huh? <laughs> you're one of those saints. I bet if John was here, he'd have a whole list to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, any of you remember your first fight? First argument after you married? <laughs> it could be hard to remember a first one when you've had so many, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of our first fights was we were in Hawaii. My wife's like, what's he going to say? And, so, and I was like, you know, let's go visit these places. And then she's like, well, what? stop and get a coffee first. And I was like, no, the coffee's going the opposite direction. We need to go this way and get there. And then she's like, what? We're on our honeymoon. We're on vacation. And I can't get a coffee? She doesn't like when I impersonate her because I exaggerate. Okay? So just, just de-escalate 
anything I say um, by like 10 notches and stuff. But see, it was kind of pointless for me to be that determined. Like, no, you don't need a coffee. Let's just, let's just go do what we're going to do. Yeah, neither do I. That's why it didn't bother me. I was like, let's just go. And so <laughs> I'd be telling her, so, it's so free not being addicted to anything. You know, like not, don't have a master over yourself. So. But um, I've learned. You know what? Just give her coffee, and she's like the sweetest princess in the world. It just took me too long to learn. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oftentimes, you know what conflicts could be about who does different jobs at home, the housework, or something that was forgotten. But in reality, oftentimes our conflicts are over a difference or perspective that has underlying issues. As many times, the issue is not the issue itself. You know what? The issue really wasn't about um, getting a coffee or not getting a coffee. It was more about me just being stubborn and saying, You don't need coffee, you got me. I'm the one you married. You didn't marry coffee and stuff. <laughs> and then she was more like, yeah, but you married me, and I like coffee. <laughs> but so what does cause conflict? You know, there are many surface causes or results we can see, but root issues is what we're going to talk about today. And oftentimes it's because of selfishness. You know, we're selfish on what we want to do. This isn't to say... Um, that this means, you know, what one spouse has to just continually yield every time um, in, in a matter or saying it doesn't matter to him or her. But oftentimes conflict is caused because we care more about ourselves than we do about the other person, at least at that moment. We're thinking of ourselves, not the other. Selfishness some have said it's the absence of love. But it is not the absence of love. It's just self-love. Instead of loving another, it's putting your love for self um, ahead of your love for your spouse. But you know, the Bible, God knew, knew how man was wired. He, he created us. And that's why he t- tells the husbands, you know what, if, if a man loves himself, he's going to love his wife. Now, you know, you're going to take care of your wife, you're going to honor her, because when you love your wife, you know what, that love is most often return. Um, selfishness is when our insistence on having what we want, even at the expense of the other person's happiness or um, their joy in the matter. And we see that selfishness was a problem in the church at Philippi. Okay? You know, you apply this if you're not married, just apply this conflict resolution to other areas, relationships you may um, be in. But in Philippians 4 2, um, Paul said, I beseech Euodias and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. That these two people, they were kind of like gossips about each other. Um, of some nature, 
Um, but there was some reason that Paul was writing to them that they need to come of the same mind. Not to be stirring up conflict with one another. Earlier in that letter that Paul wrote to the church, he told them in Philippians 2, 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, it is helpful to apply in our marriage. You know what? We consider our spouse above ourselves. Um, have your marriage be a Philippians 4.2. Um, uh, not a 4.2 or a 4 2 marriage of being of the same mind in the Lord. You know, another reason, and this one is really related um, to this one, but pride. Pride is often a root problem or a root cause of conflict in the marriage. And the Bible says, Only by pride come of contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Um, I've preached an entire message on this verse um, in a few years ago. You could get it online, I believe. Um, and in there we talk about really how only by pride comes contention. You know what, when there's contention going on, you can mark it down. There is pride, um, at least on one of the parties' side. Most often, though, it's on both parties' um, sides. And now conflict and contention do not have to be synonymous. It is possible to disagree without being contentious. You know, you could have a disagreement with your spouse and still not really be having a fight about it. It's possible, okay? But I'm oftentimes, rather than um, oh, being willing to admit when we are wrong, or to acknowledge another person's point of view, um, rather than apologizing, we defend our behavior. Um, where there's contention in a relationship, pride is at work. Okay, today we had a very minor disagreement. But she had, she's like, what am I going to say? But she was just, um, she's selling something in the house. And I was like, oh, you know what, nobody's going to buy that. Let's just throw in the dumpster. Um, and I was like thinking, you know what, in, in the dump, you know what, we had an extra pickup last week. And that we're getting picked up again this week. So we want to fill the dumpster up as much as we can. And, uh, and so we get the use of it. And she goes, no, I think I'm going to sell it for $25. And I go, okay, prove it. Go ahead, try it. And then she just told me just before church, hey, I got an offer for $60. And stuff. so sometimes saying prove it, you just get smacked back in the face. Huh? But as long as she's making more money, that's a good thing. <laughs> Oftentimes, it's pettiness. Some things really are too small to argue about. And, you know, pathological pettiness turns every disagreement into a right versus wrong. You know, with one person having to be proven right, this is usually rooted in selfishness and pride. You know, it usually is the one that says, you know what, they just always want to be right. And I don't have to prove it to my wife. She knows I'm always right. But I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> Proverbs 23 says, It is an honor for a man to seize from strife, but every fool will be meddling. It's an honor for a man to seize from strife, to, to um, try to prevent strife from happening, but when it does happen, to try to put a stop to the conflict. You know, sometimes we'll see even other people um, having an argument, having a fight. Um, and you know what? Sometimes it's a mistake to get ourselves involved. Um, the Bible says, He that intermeddle of, with another man's strife is like one that takes a dog by the ears. Picks that dog up by the ears. If you want to know what happens if you do it, go ahead and try it. <laughs> You'll probably get bit. <laughs> okay? Now, there could be exceptions where um, it, you still could get bit. But there may be times, if someone's in danger, there may be times where you need to involve yourself um, to protect someone. And um, there's a time where I do that. There was a man and a woman fighting outside, and a man was um, beating a woman with a bat. Um, I didn't just quote that verse in my head and go, oh, what's not intermeddle with that strife? You know what? That's their conflict. No, you know what? We got, I got involved in. I got hit by the bat, though. I did get hit, so it still was like taking a dog by the ears, but, um, but and got blood all over me and everything, too. Um, but we put it, it put it to a stop. And um, that was a family pancake house. I still remember it at nighttime, and um, and then the cops got him. You know, he ran off. You know, he hit me with a bat. I just blocked it with the arm, so he must not hit too hard, because I just what's that? Yeah, yeah, he was drunk or high, so it's pretty weekend. So I just grabbed a rock, or and um, didn't even get to throw it, but. Um, but he stopped, he ran off, and then we took her inside and then got her the attention that she needed. But again, oftentimes, the um, conflict could be just from pettiness. You know, we just want to be the one that's right. And even when we know we weren't right, we just want to make a um, big deal um, out of it. You know, sometimes some things are just better to be left alone. And it, it really um, doesn't matter. You know, another root cause of conflict could sometimes be fear and insecurity. You know, when someone has been hurt, um, um, they, they feel a conflict is coming oftentimes. And so sometimes they'll withdraw to avoid it rather than engaging in making resolution. You know what? Some people are wired a little bit more sensitive where, like, you know, sometimes just trying to have a conversation with them um, or just, like, you know, a boss maybe is trying to correct something that their employee did that wasn't done properly. And some employees get all sensitive. They're fearful. They're insecure. And they get defensive and they react. When it's better just to say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry I didn't do that the right way. Um, but you know what? Thanks for pointing that out to me. And I won't let that happen again. And so, but oftentimes when people have fear and insecurity, 
they'll leave the problems unresolved, um, and there's only surface solutions that um, happen, but nothing deep inside is really resolved. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that fear of is not made perfect in love. And so, you know, you can take application both ways. One, okay, you know what? When in a loving relationship, you know, there doesn't need to be fear. You know, one should not have to be afraid of their spouse. Now, obviously, in an abusive relationship, that would cause fear and insecurity. But you know what? How would one help someone overcome fear and insecurity? You know what? Love that person. You know what? Let them know, even if they made a mistake, that you know what? You love them. You know what? That, that you're going to um, get through it. You know what? There's sometimes um, things where, um, okay, we're kind of starting a business on the side. Um, just um, got my official state business license and, and then applied for the city license today. But um, just like getting started, like beforehand, before we were official, you know, there's sometimes, you know, I find something, um, you know, I buy it and I resell it for um, quite a bit more. And I think, wow, this worked pretty good. And then I go and buy a bunch of them at a higher cost, thinking, hey, if I could still sell them at the same cost, um, it'll be a good return on investment. But then end up taking... Um, like I just, I, I bought seven of them, they were cameras, and then they didn't sell for two months. And I did sell one yesterday. Um, but you know, my wife never made me feel like, man, why are you screwing up? Why are you messing up? And so that never um, that happened. But sometimes the spouse could put one down on another. And uh, maybe she didn't do it because she recommended me to buy something else that she regretted. So we're even, amen. <laughs> And so I, I didn't put her down. Go, man, why do you talk this, me into um, buying that and stuff? But um, so, so there's no fear in love. And, you know, if you're causing fear or insecurity in your spouse, you know, repent. You know what? T- turn from that behavior. And you know what? Sometimes, you know what? In a marriage, it could simply be satanic attack. You know what? You talk about marriages... Um, a picture of Christ and the church. You know, it's Satan wants to destroy that picture. He wants that destroyed. He wants to um, see him get divorced. He wants to see the family unit broken up. He wants to see the testimony of Christ um, harm. And you know, every time a couple lets conflict grow between them, their own walk with the Lord is harmed. You know, we have an enemy that wants to destroy our relationship. Don't let him do it. You know, resolve your conflicts. Don't allow things to fester and become an infection. You know, the Bible says, 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So Satan's looking, okay, how could I devour this person? How could I devour this couple? How could I devour this church? So you know, we need to be on the lookout 
to um, be watching um, for how um, things happen. And now you need to be careful, too, that you don't just think every time a little disagreement comes up that it's Satan, okay? It's not like there's a demon behind every single bush. Um, who knows? Maybe there is. I don't know how many demons there are. Maybe there are enough for that. But, you know what? We don't need to be living our life um, in that kind of fashion um, where, like, any disagreement is like where we say, get thee behind me, Satan. That's just going to escalate the conflict. It's not going to help it. Unless you're Jesus talking to your disciples, you know what? He was able to put his disciples in their place. But you know what? In a marriage, you know what? It's not about trying to put each other in their place. You know, how conflict escalates. How does conflict escalate? Anybody have any ideas? Anybody want to share anything? Experience? Make sure you got permission from your spouse. <laughs> James? Okay, okay. Just someone is so determined on being right. Um, absolutely. You know, in Ireland, um, I'm told you could find um, fences and walls erected to separate neighborhoods. And, uh, and, and this was really to separate the Catholics from the Protestants. You know, they were at actual physical wars with one another, and then it wasn't as much physical, but a lot of um, hatred toward one another. During the period um, where they called the Troubles, um, tempers would um, get hot, conflict would easily spark across the city, and so they called these walls they built peace walls. Said we're going to make these peace walls and separate the Catholics and the Protestant neighborhoods. And they would range in length um, from a few hundred yards to miles. They were made of iron, brick, steel, and are up to about 25 feet high. But their name is deceiving because they're not peace walls. Okay? It is really a wall to avoid resolving differences. Okay, now in a theological sense, okay, you know what, we're not going to yoke up, so to speak, with a Roman Catholic church of false doctrine. Okay, we're not going to um, yoke up and say, oh yeah, we're, we're, we're the same when, when we're not. You know, I just had a Catholic lady um, send me a book, um, Rome Sweet Home. And, you know, we were talking at the memorial service um, that we had this last um, Saturday, and she was asking if we were having a Divine Mercy Sunday. And I was like thinking, you know, well, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning, so yeah, they're still there Sunday. Um, <laughs> but um, I was like, no, what do you mean by Divine Mercy Sunday? And she was so surprised, I never heard of it. And she goes, well, there was this saint that met Jesus at this one spot, and and, um, and then, you know, you kind of pray towards the image and everything. And she goes, how about saying something else? Do you know who that is? It's like, no. Um, she go, and she goes, I've never been in the Baptist church before, so I don't know how we're the same and how we're different. And I go, well, a Baptist church, you know, we're all more about teaching what the Bible says and, and being all about Jesus Christ. You know, we're not about this saint, that saint. 
you know, we're not preaching the saints, um, we, and, and, and we don't have um, images of the saints. Um, and then she's like, oh, but having images and statues of those saints help me get closer to God. And oh, you know, in part of Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt have no idols. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then sometimes what they'll say is, well, no, this is an image of Jesus. This isn't an image of another God. You know, you read on in the verse in Exodus 20, it says, don't make an image of even anything that's in heaven. So we're not to try and make images of God. And, um, and so idolatry actually separates us from our God. It does not draw us um, closer from our God. Okay, so theologically, ecclesiastically, as a church, we're not going to yoke up. But just as in humanity, you know, we don't need to be having a conflict and fighting all the time. Okay, I don't need to be like, oh, I hate you because you're Catholic. No, we're supposed to love our neighbor. And, you know, it's my hope. I'm going to write her a letter back and I'm going to send her a book. Um, hopefully she'll read it. I've already started looking at this book. But, um, um, but hopefully she'll read it. And just the book I'm going to send her is about how, you know what, that our relationship with God isn't really about do, do, do um, to try to earn our way to heaven, but more of what Jesus did for us. And um, so, but anyways, in this place um, in Ireland, they actually had walls to separate them because they couldn't separate that, okay, yes, doctrinally, we're different, we're separate, but they took it out in their regular lives where they had a hate for one another. And so really those walls weren't to bring peace, it was to avoid making reconciliation. You know, sometimes in our marriage, we could end up building walls because we don't want to resolve the issue. We don't want to um, humble ourselves. You know, you just can't imagine I don't have the objects with me, but let's say you um, just imagine having a bunch of bricks. Okay? You could either use those to stack up one upon another. And you know, at first starting out, it's just a little break here, a little break there, but eventually you can get to the point where you're building a wall. And sometimes that's what we could do in our marriage. It's just a little argument here, just a little bit of strife here. We never resolve the other issues, and we end up building a wall between us and our spouse. Rather, what we ought to be doing is building a wall, but building it around our home. Building it where we have a unity in our home and protect um, our home and give our home security. And um, so some of the ways that conflicts escalate is a failure to acknowledge the problem. Building that wall. You know, don't want to acknowledge it, don't want to deal with it, just want to ignore it. You know, you look at our relationship with the Lord, you know, 1 John 1, 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not do truth. And so you know, it's, you're de- we're deceiving ourselves when we think that um, we have fellowship with Him, but we're walking in darkness. You know, similarly in our marriage, 
You know what? We could lie to ourselves. We could act like there's not a problem. But no, we want to confess our sin, confess our faults toward one another, and work on resolving it. You know, another way um, to fail to acknowledge the problem is, you know, your spouse asks you, you know, what's wrong? And you're just like, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Why do you keep asking me that? Nothing's wrong. (laughs) Well, really what we're thinking is, you should know what's wrong with me. You shouldn't have to say it. And so, you know what? We don't resolve conflict um, that way. You know what? Both spouses know something is wrong. But without acknowledging the problem exists, there's not going to be conflict resolution. You know what? Also, there could be a withdrawal from a real relationship development. You know, many couples come to the point where they decide intimacy and oneness are beyond reach, perhaps for the sake of their children and their convictions that marriage would be till death. They stay married but they withdraw emotionally, withdraw spiritually, and withdraw physically. They live in the same house, but they settle for less than God meant for their marriage to be. They're like, you know what? We'll just be roommates. We'll just live together for the sake of the children and just because that's what we're supposed to do. No, that's, that, that's just how conflict is going to continue to escalate. Scripture tells us to follow after peace. You know, Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things whereof one may edify another. So in order to look for ways, how can we make peace of this situation? That's why my wife likes me teaching on this subject, so that I am inspired to listen to what I'm teaching. Amen. spiritualizing the problem. You know, sometimes we'll do that, okay? Yes, you know, it's, again, as we mentioned, that there are satanic attacks on our lives, on our marriages, but sometimes we could try to spiritualize it in the sense of just saying all the time, you know what, the devil's just attacking, the devil's just fighting us, and then do nothing about it, that we don't try to resolve it. We just blame the devil, just like, He's the one just trying to um, mess with us, okay? Maybe he is, but it's still up to you to work on getting things resolved together. Another thing that will escalate the problem is gunny sacking. Anybody know what that is? Anybody know what a gunny sack is? Okay, what's the gunny sack? What's that? Okay, okay, yeah, sacky. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, you know what sometimes people do in their marriages? They have a little conflict here, they have this issue, or they see their spouse mess up. It's like they pick that up and go, I'm going to remember this, and I'm going to put this in this bag. And then when it comes up, or when they have an op with me, I'm just going to dump that bag out. You remember this? You remember that problem? Remember when you did that? Remember when you treated me this way? Remember when you embarrassed me in front of everybody? 
You know, it's because, you know what, those issues were never resolved. Or, they were resolved, you're just bringing them back up. But that's going to avoid true um, reconciliation. You know, we need to forgive like God does. You know, he says, I am an I, am he that blotted out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Praise God, we have a God like that. You know what? I will remember not your sins. And you know, that's where we don't need to continue a living guilt over our past either. You know what? God doesn't remember them. Yes, we may still remember them, but we need to make sure it doesn't hold us back from serving God and loving Him and loving one another. But in the same way, we need to be willing to forgive our spouse and just to forget what's happened in the past. You know, another problem that will escalate contention is attacking the person instead of the problem. You know, you think about we have a gift from God in the person of our spouse. Attacking the person you married devalues God's gift and undermines your relationship. And so it's like God gave you your spouse, and then you, you attack, you're attacking the gift that God has given you. Blaming your spouse. You know what? I'm, uh, I'm the way I am because of the stress she puts me under. Uh, or I wouldn't lose my temper if he didn't annoy me so much. Or whatever it may be. But this tactic goes back and forth. And we see that's what happened in the beginning. You know what? Adam blamed the woman that God gave him. So he's blaming Eve, and he's blaming God. You know what? If God never gave me this woman, this wouldn't have happened. And stuff. And so it's the blaming tactics. And, um, and then what's the woman do? She blames the serpent. Well, you notice, okay, all of, those, all of those were at fault. And you know what? God held every single one of them accountable. All of them. And so, you know, sometimes, in, you know what? Teaching and training our children. You know, when they have disputes, you know what? Sometimes the one that did the smaller sin, so to speak, ends up getting in the most trouble because it ends up being the most visible. They're the one that reacted. Can you imagine, say, one of the kids kind of sneaking away, took their toy away from the other kid, and then that kid whacks them. Okay? Well, that one, mom and dad are going to see. They maybe didn't see the other one. And so, you know, the proper thing would be discipline them both. But if the one kid didn't whack the other one, you know what? They wouldn't have had to be disciplined. But you know what? God holds all parties responsible. You know, he held Adam responsible, he held Eve, and he punished Satan um, as well. And so as part of our fallen nature, though, to pass the buck to another, we um, try to avoid responsibility for our words and our actions. But you can't resolve conflict that way. You know, again, desiring you win at any cost. James mentioned um, this earlier. Basically always wanting to be um, right. Just wanting to win the battle. Giving in to avoid conflict. At first, this could look good, okay? And sometimes it can be good. 
You know, sometimes be like, hey, you know, it's not really worth fighting over. Sometimes just yielding. You know what? Okay, you know what? Whatever. You know what? Let's, let's just go ahead. Um, sometimes that could be a good thing, but sometimes it could be a bad thing when it's just, we're always just kind of giving in and we're just like, we don't want to have any kind of dispute, so we always give in. But that ends up not really having any true um, resolve. And so it's better to um, work um, things out. And not just avoid things by just saying whatever you want. You know, that doesn't help build a relationship or build communication. And now the Bible does tell us to be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. So again, there could be times where it's the appropriate way to respond. But it's where you pray for discernment to know um, when you're actually simply, you're, being, you're trying to be humble and it's not an issue worth um, discussing in a debating type way. Or if it's just a way you're just like, okay, fine, whatever. Whatever you want to do. Okay. You know, again, sometimes some things are petty things. You know, you ever go out to eat and you're like, hey, where you want to go? And, you go? and both of you say, no, I want to go where you want to go. And then finally the husband decides and then the wife's like, oh, I don't really want to go there. <laughs> It's like, just, just tell me where you wanted to go. <laughs> but that doesn't work either. <laughs> you know, sometimes buying a gift. You know, my wife calls it a peace offering. You know what? <laughs> you know, sometimes it could be okay. You know, again, this is where you need discernment. You know, maybe you tried resolving an issue and you're just trying to get a gift to be sweet to one another. That's, that's fine. But it could be wrong when all you're, tra- you're trying to do it just because you're, again, really trying to avoid resolving the issue. You're trying to buy forgiveness or you're trying to buy reconciliation and that's not going to work. You know, it's not going to work just to manipulate um, someone. You know, the Bible says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. And you know, so using a gift is a substitute for addressing the real problem or the issues between you really cheapens your relationship over time. You know, it becoming angry. The deception of anger is that sometimes an angry outburst will quiet the immediate conflict at hand. You yell at the other, okay, sometimes everyone ends up being quiet. But really, it just keeps building inside. And the Bible says, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The Bible says, The soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And so, you know what? Having a soft answer. You know what? Say someone is upset. Responding with a soft answer. You would say your spouse yelling at you. And then you respond, oh sweetie, are you, what, what's wrong? You know, is any way I could help? That could help diffuse the situation. Sometimes at first, it might escalate them. They'll be like, oh, you're just trying to be sweet on me now, huh? 
Well, just keep being genuine. Be genuinely sweet. And it'll diffuse the situation. And they'll feel guilty for the way they're acting. You know what? Kind of like how, how the Bible says you could even apply it in your marriage. Okay? Okay? You don't, don't, don't compare it in the sense of like the, the Bible says, you know, what, love your enemies. Okay? Don't count your spouse your enemy. Okay? But the principle of, um, you know what, taking care of your enemies. You know, it'll kind of like heap a coal of fire on their head. You know what? Take care of your spouse. Okay? They're not your enemy, but take care of your spouse. And you know what? When there's those conflicts, you know what? Taking care of your spouse will help diffuse um, the situation. Imagine yourself as having two buckets. My wife thinks I'm going to do the brain teaser. It's not what I'm going to do. I guess I could do that too. Okay. Hey. Okay. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do this. I'll do the brain teaser just for your fun. Okay. So you could think about it while I finish up. Be distracting you. But there's two red buckets in the field. It's been pouring down rain. It's been coming down hard. Both, both buckets are kind of on the same surface type. Okay? None of them are leaning over. None of them are covered. None of them have holes in them besides the top. Okay? But one of them is only an inch deep and the other one's overflowing. How is that possible? So you guys think about that for a little bit. And another illustration. Pretend that everywhere you go, you carry with you two buckets. One filled with gasoline and one with water. And you know what? Not every fire is the same size. You have small fires and you have big fires. But say in your relationship, there's a small fire. Are you going to respond by putting gasoline on it? And then it become big? Or are you going to be the type that goes, you know, I'm going to try to put water on this. Put the fire out. Because gasoline can make a little fire explode big. But water could put out a big fire. And so in your marriage, strive to work on marriage conflict. And in your um, notes, there's um, lots of um, scriptures. Um, you can look at, you know, the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. Um, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. You know, focusing on another. Um, for wisdom is in house built it, and by understanding is it is established. You know, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love is brethren, be pitiful, um, be courteous. And you know, at grace is being willing to humble yourself, to love one another despite um, any type of faults that may come. Jamie? 
Yeah, acquaintance I had at Bible college, the kid tried putting gasoline on the fire to make it go bigger, and it came back and burned them. It's so really sad. He's three years old. Three kids. Three kids. Yeah. And um, but you know, you pour gasoline on on something, you know, it is gonna come back um, on you. Anybody know what the name Jerusalem means? Peace. The city of peace. She didn't know it. I was going to be shocked. She knows. She knows a lot about it. And so I, I was asking a question just to make sure I was right and stuff. So yeah, that's why I got city of peace. Um, like Jerusalem is a city of peace. But you know what? You look at Jerusalem. It's been a hotbed of violence, war over the centuries, and it's not usually because of them. Okay, it's people that want to come and take their land away and, and, and they're causing damage to them, but it's a violent place. And it's primary over the Temple Mount, um, one of the most sacred places, according to many Muslims, Jews, and Christians. And they all want possession um, of it. And you think about the conflict that arises in Jerusalem, it's not because the city is worthless, but because it is valuable. And so it is with your marriage. It is because of the value and significance of your relationship that Satan wants to attack it. It's not because your marriage is worthless. It's because it's valuable. You know, one day in Jerusalem, it will be truly a city of peace again when Jesus comes down and rules and reigns. You know, allow Jesus to rule and reign in your heart, and you'll be able to have peace um, with one another in your marriage. You know, don't allow any conflict to tear you apart from one another, but that instead, when there is conflict, let it be a reminder. You know what? My marriage is valuable. You know, it's not worthless. It's valuable. So let's work out this issue. Conflict in marriage is going to happen. You know, me and my wife, we're going to have conflicts in the future. Okay? Just let you know in advance. Okay? But you know what? How we respond. You know, are we going to respond with Jesus ruling in our heart? Or is it going to be just selfishness and it's just something that never gets resolved? You know, it, it doesn't have to be marriage. does not have to be a lifelong war. Well, your conflicts simply be roadblocks. You know what? They kind of slow you down a little bit here and there, but you get around them together. Anybody figure out the buckets? How does one bucket have more and the other bucket has less? James? Nope, neither one was covered up. So two buckets of water, or two buckets, and it's been pouring down rain. They're on the same slope. None of them are tip over. There's no holes in it besides the top. 
Okay? But one has an inch of water, and the other one is overflowing. Okay? Because we're not leaving until we get this figured out. I'm just kidding. That would work, but that's not the answer. It's very close, though. That would be another possibility, huh? Yeah, pretty smart. But, oh, the illustration. Azariah has an idea. Come on, tell us, Azariah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. One was already in the field, and then another one brought the bucket out later. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, I heard this in the story of business. You know what? Sometimes, you know what? People want to give up. You know what? They've been working at something hard for a long time. But the point was that, you know what, if you've been out there longer, you've gained some experience. Yes, you've made some mistakes, but pretty soon you're going to be filled with more than someone that's just getting in to fill. And, you know, you can apply that in so many different ways, okay? You know what, someone, you know what, going to the mission field, okay? Starting out, it's going to take a while to build up. But, you know what, once they've been there for a while, you know, sometimes people leave a church or a mission field, right before the blessings start coming in. And so, you know, don't give up. Keep going at it, okay? And so, you know, in your marriage, keep going at it. Yeah, sure, you maybe have had some struggles, but just stay at it, and you know what? The blessings will eventually be overflowing. All right, God bless you.